Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 21 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me as always is... Thomas. And today we are discussing the 1999 movie Existence, directed by David Cronenberg. Um, So quick recap of how this show works. Every other episode is dedicated to a franchise. We are currently watching The Matrix, and the episodes in between, Thomas and I take turns figuring out what to watch and so since we are watching the matrix i figure why not check out this other 1999 movie about people getting uh things plugged into orifices on their body to jack into a simulated reality um thomas what did you think of existence oh uh do we want to read the uh oh yeah yeah (laughs) i I can read the imdb and then tell you what i thought okay so It's a game designer on the run from assassins must play her latest virtual reality creation with a marketing trainee to determine if the game has been damaged. And yeah, that's the synopsis for this David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's really bizarre. This was a really, uh, what was the word I was looking for? I described this as a very uneasy watch. Like, yeah, everything about the production design is just very strange. And yeah, yeah, just (laughs) the world that they sort of go into it's just a bizarre, bizarre little little journey, and yeah, it's similar. It's akin to the Matrix. I like that, according to the Wikipedia, the idea predates the Matrix from like '95, but it didn't come mm-hmm. out until a month after the Matrix was released. And I think, yeah, I think it's a good little companion piece because it's a, a a very fucked up kind of movie in a similar vein of yeah, virtual reality and body parts. And yeah, it's 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 nutty. I think it's really interesting that these came out around the same time. Um, in 2000, there was, of course, Y2K. So I think I think people were just, like, anxious about the role of technology, especially the internet and the interconnectedness of everything. Yeah. Uh, cyberspace, how that was going to be, um, you know, what effect that would have on us. So, so maybe that's why these things were, um, you know, swimming through people's brains. Definitely. Um, the first time I saw this movie, I saw it a few years ago, and I didn't really care for it. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, the pacing is a little weird, <laughs> and I really didn't remember much of it. But then watching it this time, knowing that like I had to actually think about this because we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely liked it way more. Um, there's... I don't know. Like I, I, wa- I, I kind of like went down a rabbit hole with this movie. I was watching... Um, there's this documentary on YouTube about David Cronenberg and his relationship with his uh, production designer and that he will get, he gives the scripts to the production designer, to the cinematographer, to the composer um, years before the movie's made sometimes just because he wants these ideas to sit around in their heads. And obviously he wants feedback too, but um, yeah. Yeah. The production design on this movie is fucking something the art design you get uh like i said yeah like like we just said this is a movie about people getting plugged into a virtual reality and the devices that they use to do that uh are these fleshy um i don't know like (laughs) these like fleshy blobs that have bulbs on them and they must stimulate these these bulbs um and they have to plug the, they're called umbi cords, they look like umbilical cords, into an orifice in their back that has been 
implanted there. Are you rubbing your back right now? Yeah, it's, it's making me think about you know, when I think about the matrix. I'm I think about the back the of my thing. head, and then when I think about existence, I think about yeah, the spinal cord. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Jude Law's character is very apprehensive in the first like bit of the movie, where it's just like, I don't want to do this. Like, like this is very intrusive to my my back and my spine, and like, how do you like? Yeah, yeah and his. Yeah, his plight is, is very relatable. And yeah, as we see the functioning, the, how the things function in the movie, it's just like, yeah, this is fucking weird and, and really invasive and yeah, very. Yeah, very the way tangible. he puts it, the way he puts it is that he has a fear of being penetrated surgically. Yeah. And yeah, there's so much. This is something I'm not sure what to make of is the relationship between sex and basically everything that's happening in this movie. Totally. Um, the dynamic between uh, Jude Law and Jennifer Jason Lee is that, like, yeah, he's never played a game before. He doesn't have a port on his back. He is he is a virgin, and she is a designer. She is very experienced. And so when she is asking him, at one point, um, they have to play the game together. She has to play the game to make sure that it's okay. Um, it feels like there's this sort of tension where it's like she's she's guiding a virgin through his first time and like trying to tell him like he he's like uh anxious about it saying stuff like how am i supposed to play with the designer of the game you know how am i supposed to beat the designer There's, of the game yeah know? literally a line where like it's like yeah like the port is a little tight like it's a little like i like i can't get this in there and yeah just just the entire uh conversation that they're having inside of the motel room is is yeah very quiet and very soft-spoken and yeah jude law is being very like kind of gently led through this physical process of yeah just getting this thing put inside of him and yeah right that's the main notice again it's like he's losing his virginity and yeah it's a very very spot on and like when he first gets the port he gets the port f- from uh willem dafoe at a gas station uh where his yeah. name is gas and the gas station is called gas station um and it's this metal phallus that is pressed up against his back and at first they're just putting on the uh, sort of symbol of like where the port is going to go on the first round. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe's like, see, it's completely painless. And he's like, that's not the part I was worried about. And then he brings out this even larger phallus that yeah. is going to <laughs> penetrate him. Um, and the, the energy between these two cares, characters is very sexual um, and like homoerotic. Yeah. And it, in a really dark way, it reminded me of like, a really sketchy like i don't say like a a, like a sketchy kind of abortion kind of thing where it's like this is happening like in like a mechanic's office this is like a black market dude yeah it's a really like dirty like chair that he points to he's like yeah okay that's where you're gonna go sit like literally says uh step into my office and everything yeah it's just like it's this this weird doctor relationship in that moment so yeah uh do you want to get into um Pykel's journey in, into the world of existence it's a weird like it's it's a weird one i don't really know how to summarize this one yeah um it starts at a church where allegra here i should actually pull up the uh character names but yeah jennifer lee's Jan- jennifer jason lee's character allegra geller is this star video game designer and so the fact that this takes place at a church, I think, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole creation aspect to this movie where, um, yeah, basically she's she's elevated to the status of God. She is creating a reality for these people to go into. Yeah. And uh, a man who is invited to, you know, check out this game 
ends up pulling a gun on her that is made of bone and flesh. It's, I believe, behind the scenes, they call it the gristle gun. <laughs> and the idea is that he has snuck this in because, you know, it's not made of metal, so it's not going to be detected. And if they're looking for any sort of synthetic material, like that might create a bomb, like it's not going to be detected either. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, like a really interesting way to kind of kick off this like espionage plot is like, yeah, they're all having like this uh, meeting inside the church talking about the game. And yeah, they have like these new controllers that are like the kind of fleshy version. And then this kid comes in and his version is like an older, like antiquated version of the pod. And yeah, there's like this weird technology kind of like, yeah. like a commentary on just like, yeah, it's like the upgrading of things. And so he has this old clunky piece of technology. And then yeah, he, he pulls but it's up still kind of fleshy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just not as pristine as these. And other so, ones. so this movie's doing the thing where it's like crossing the relationship between biology and technology. Um, yeah. The it is later uh, discussed that these biopods is what the um, I guess the game consoles are called. Is like is that what they are game yeah, consoles? Yeah. <laughs> um, that they are powered by the humans that they plug into. They don't have batteries. They actually like kind of feed off your life force, I guess. Um, and so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fucking weird. Like, why? What, what is this meshing of organic and synthetic? We'll get to. I guess we'll discuss what what we feel that that's getting at. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm happy you mentioned the god thing too, because yeah, I wrote that down for a couple of things, and one of the earlier th- uh, moments is in the gas station when gas says like yeah he calls himself god the artist or he has a line about he has like a little passage where he talks about god the artist and he's talking to pikel about this yeah so forget exactly what the context is so so yeah after the shooting allegra and ted who works in pr are on the run uh ted has to protect allegra he has to protect allegra's game which is this multi-million dollar game supposed to be revolutionary and they're afraid that another company is going to try and steal it. Um, and there's also seems to be these extremists who are trying to preserve reality uh, from being perverted by the presence of simulated realities. Um, and that's that's the man who pulled the gun on her at the beginning, right? Like, that is the man's deal? Or is he... <laughs> yeah, that is like a revolutionary or like against her main thing. <laughs> that, yeah. that part I was a little like a little uh, fuzzy on I mean it's I so early know. in the movie that it's just like what's going on <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so so for a large chunk of this movie they're just kind of on the run and uh, Allegra insists that oh she needs to check on her game make sure her game is okay uh, and she needs to play it with Ted because um, it you know needs to be played with a friendly person and so Ted doesn't have a port, so they insist on getting him a port. They go to this gas station that we were talking about with Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah, and it's literally called, yeah, Country Gas Station, and then that's what's written on the yeah. outside. And his and name was, is Gas. Yeah. So it's very clearly playing with, like, NPCs in, like, a video. Like, how, yeah, at what point did you so, realize, oh, they're in a video game? I mean, that's the first part when I'm like, okay, this is uh, interesting that, yeah, it's Country Gas Station, and then, yeah, the, the man's name is Gas, and... Yeah, his performance is really good. So I, I wasn't quite thinking about like them being in the game at that point, but yeah. it became more obvious later on because they pull a similar trick a little bit later on. And then I was like, okay, this is like, yeah, it's, it's super, super obvious by that point. But yeah, that was this uh, is the first hint. 
Yeah, and when they meet Gas, uh, he realizes who Allegra is, that she's this game designer. And he gets down on his hands and knees and basically yeah. worships her. So we're back into the religion thing. Yeah. Um, he reveals that he carries a photo of her in his wallet. And he says that she changed his life. Uh, that this game she designed called Art God. Um, he, he says something like, God the artist, yeah. the mechanic. And so yeah, yeah another a, another weird religious thing in this movie is if you go into like, the IMDb trivia page, it mentions that so the way Existence is spelled, uh, X is capitalized, Z is capitalized. And in the yeah. space between X and Z is the word Istin, which I forget what the language is. Oh, it's Hungarian. Um, that means God. And later on in this movie, we're introduced to uh, this word transcendence, which where the C is capitalized and the Z is capitalized. And in between that space is Endin meaning uh, the end, but also in religion, meaning a ruler. Um, Okay. So yeah, there's like this weird religious stuff going on here, which makes me wonder, is this about religion or is this about, or is it just using religion to drive, you know, the same way it's using sexuality to explore our relationship with technology? Yeah, I think that's more the case because yeah, there's uh, the scene in the end of the barn feels felt very religious to me, but I was like, okay, there. There, so I feel like it's more towards the yeah the connection of the malfunctioning of the technology and then just like just that oddness of the chase kind of concluding in this weird place. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah, the religion thing comes comes up quite a bit. Yeah, it's like this yeah. weird nativity kind of reversal scene at the end. Um, so gas helps uh, Ted get his port, and they decide to jack into the game, and it turns out that. Uh, Ted's port is faulty. It actually fucks fucks up the console, the biopod. And so now Allegra's panicked. She thought she thinks it's his fault that he got too excited or something like that. And he, uh, you know, sur- there was like a power surge or something. Yeah, he surges the port is what she keeps saying. Yeah. And then it's revealed, oh, no, Gas actually in- in- installed a faulty uh, port because he wants to kill Allegra. There, it turns out there's a huge bounty on Allegra as this famous designer. Um, so they end up killing gas and they make their escape and eventually they do jack in to this pod. And for a good chunk of the movie, we are in the game existence. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I like the transition because it feels, well, I like the tone of the movie is, is already kind of strange and uneasy and weird. Just the way that they're talking and everything feels very like, yeah mysterious and then when it goes into this other layer it's like not much ha- not much changes cosmetically with them or i mean the world that we see is, is is like similar besides a few things i'm trying to remember if there's anything like funky about it but it, yeah i feel like it looks the same so it's just like it's more it's, it feels like a mind fuck because we're seeing a lot of similar images and it feels very similar but it's a, another layer and it's in this alternative world where the rules and the behaviors of how they act is different. And so the things they start to do is a little bit is like change. And they start to act on these urges that like they start to come up. Oh yeah. Game urges. I think is what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah or like game instincts or something, but yeah, like, I thought that was trippy. Yeah. I think when they first enter existence, they're in a video, a game shop and yeah. one of the NPCs there. Uh, they ca- kind of stuck in a dialogue loop with this guy because they're not saying the right thing to progress the story. 
And yeah, so it's and really playing with like video game tropes, which considering this was 99, I'm not sure how advanced games were that this was a common thing, but we're still, we're still dealing with this basically. Yeah. And it's, I think it, it captured it in a really, really cool visual way is when they're talking to the shop, the, the guy behind the counter or whatever. And like half of his face is like cast in dark shadow. So it's like only the bottom of his face or like, yeah, like nose down is like in light. And then everything else is like just really dark. And yeah, he's like talking and he's giving the, giving him this information. Yeah. And this, this weird moment between the characters where, yeah, he like starts doing the loop and yeah, just like the, the, the way that it's lit, it was lit was really interesting. And then they go into the back room and then like, he's just like kind of just like vaguely shaking his head and like not yeah. saying anything. Yeah, it's like the performance is really good. And so yeah, I think they they got a spot. They got the NPC thing. It feels like <laughs> it's like a shitty robot. It's like um uh you know at Disney they have those fake presidents or something like that. It kind of reminds yeah. me of that the performance. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the actor they got is really cool. He reminds me of like Homer Simpson almost. He has like mm. this kind of large large head and he's just kind of just like aloof a little bit but uh at the game store they buy these new biopods that are much smaller they're like can fit in your hand and they decide to and plug in plug into these biopods within existence so what they do is they rub the biopod against the port in the back every time i talk about the ports i'm rubbing my back um and the port seems to just kind of like suck it into the body and Ted Ted Peichel is freaking out. Like, is it wrapping around my spine? Like, what's going on? Yeah, and it's great because um, what's her name? Um, Jennifer yeah, Jason Lee, Allegra. Yeah, yeah Allegra is like, wow, like it's really eager. Like, it just sucked it right up. <laughs> and yeah. Just like, and he's just like, yeah, really, really nervous. And the, yeah, and before when we're inside of the the gas station, there's like some shots of the back port. But it's not super clear. But here is when we first get like a nice, well lit shot, and it's like a little, like a target with a small hole. On it's his like back. it's a, it's like another asshole on his. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just weird because it's not really <laughs> vaginal like the way like orifices are in Videodrome. This is I don't know. It's too round. Yeah, and I still, I haven't seen Videodrome. I've only seen yeah the fly and in scanners. So this is my okay. uh, third Cronenberg and. Yeah, I'm I'm happy this one was really good because yeah, the port on her back is like a lot larger and it's like yeah, just like the, it also goes in like she's this more weird, experienced. Yeah, this weird gooey thing which is kind of reminiscent to the phone device that she has earlier in the oh, movie. Yeah. That's just like this like white piece of like soap. It almost looks like a like, flesh yeah. egg with a light yeah. or something. Yeah, just t- t- tipping the hat endlessly to the production design in this movie just because it helps sell just the strangeness of all of these connections and yeah, just everything that these characters are doing is helped by the fact that the devices that they're using are just, just absolutely strange. How did you feel the first time you saw these flesh devices? Were you just like, I, I guess I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> yeah. I, I was into it because yeah, like I, I've been kind of like eager to watch some Cronenberg uh, having heard the name for so long and not seeing many of the movies. And so I'm always like, okay, in what way is the weirdness going to appear? Because obviously there's going to be some body horror and some weird stuff, and I'm curious how it's going to happen. And so, yeah, in the church scene, when the when the guys, like, flicks the... When he first flicks the controller, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is weird. This is this Yeah, is and it's, really like mo- it's like moaning and groaning. and Yeah, it's like moving on its own a little bit. And 
yeah, so from that moment going on until now, I'm like, okay, this is really odd. And yeah, even going back to like the poster of this movie, like it's the orange one has Jennifer Jason Lee's face in the corner, then the other side is Jude Law with his tongue out and like tonguing her back. And I never put those images together, but after watching the movie, I'm like, yeah, even the poster is really weird and strange. Yeah. So yeah, this scene when they're in existence putting the smaller biopods in their backs, I think this is when we get the the licking scene, the port licking yeah. scene. Um, Jude Law sticks his tongue in Allegra's back port. Um, yes. <laughs> And he says that he was kind of overwhelmed. It was like a game urge. It wasn't something he chose to do. And then... I, so, he he fucks her port, right? That's what happens, right? Because <laughs> she, I'm like... Sure. Yeah, she, like, sits on his lap and then, like, puts her hand behind her back. And then we cut to a scene where he is in a... Like, a trout... I, I, would, I wouldn't call it a factory. They're not making the trouts. What, what do you call this place? I wrote down <laughs> Koi Pond of Horrors, <laughs> okay. just a, a, a little, a nice little aquatic area where these little flesh pods are being born and harvested. Yeah, they're harvesting uh, materials from these animals so that they can create these these biopods, I guess. Um, and then this is when the movie kind of it gets really confusing to me, like what the fuck's going on. Um, from here they like go to a Chinese restaurant where I, I guess they kind of have a mission where they're they're told to go to a Chinese restaurant and order the special. They go yeah. to the restaurant, he orders it, they have this back and forth. It's it's like solving a video game puzzle where the waiter doesn't want to give them the special because it's not a special occasion, and then they say, Oh, it is a special occasion, it's her birthday. And then they get yeah. then they get the meal. It is constructed out of these mutated creatures that they they've been seeing earlier in the movie. Um, and Jude Law is overwhelmed with the urge. It looks disgusting. They're revolted by it, but he's overwhelmed with the game urge to start eating this this creature, and he constructs a gristle gun out of its bones and remains. And this scene is fucking awesome because the sound is so good. Yeah. Yeah, this entire restaurant scene is really strange. And yeah, that's another moment when I wrote down, yeah, the NPC video game world when they're it just says Chinese restaurant outside yeah. the building, and there's like this long march that they're going towards it. And yeah, inside there's like like another NPC kind of vibe where there's characters that are noticing the strange thing that he that he's doing, but they're not actually like fully reacting to it. And yeah, he builds the gun and he points it at her. And yeah, yeah, and like yeah, it's just this weird moment where yeah, it's just building this fucking gristle gun. And I just love how fucking his face is all covered and like fat and yeah. <laughs> so are his hands like he's got like this animal fat like hanging off his hands everything is so greasy and i don't know just the sound i love the fucking sound in this movie like the way the gun is like clicking together well we should cut in some audio clips but... yeah michael what are you doing i don't know i find this disgusting but i can't help myself Good. Good. This is good. Yeah, it's a genuine game urge. Something your game character was born to do. Don't fight it. Fighting it. But it isn't doing me any good.
they he builds the gun and he says he's overwhelmed with the urge to kill the waiter. He doesn't know why he has to kill the waiter, but he feels that he has to kill the waiter. So he shoots him with the gristle gun, and which we've learned uh, we, when Allegra first gets shot with the gristle gun that it fires teeth, yeah. um, human teeth. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he murders the waiter with it. Yeah, they have, <laughs> I just want to mention that scene briefly. It's a nice play on the whole, like, oh, we're having a nice tender moment where, like, the guy fixes the wound of, like, someone after, like, a, a shootout or something. And then yeah. he digs this tooth out of his, yeah, like, it's a tooth. <laughs> and they're looking at the gun. She's like, oh, yeah, like, and this one has a cavity. I was like, yeah, this is, like, this is really fucking strange. And, and she says, like, a uh, smaller caliber gun would have to fire baby teeth or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, like Jennifer such a Jason. dark yeah. concept to just be like, yeah, we're just gonna put this thought in your mind uh, that like <laughs> we're gonna make a gun that shoots baby teeth. Um, yeah, and what did you think about her performance? Because, uh, yeah, I was thinking about Possessor because she is playing yeah, like a, I a, a CEO. Forgot different like different vibe a little bit like the CEO character, but I was thinking about that performance in relationship to this, and just yeah, her her character just seems very reserved and uh, yeah I, I like the performance working with a lot of just odd material must be very challenging yeah i think i love jennifer jason lee um mm-hmm. between like she just has such an interesting career from from what i've seen her in at least um because she's in this she's in possessor she's in annihilation um hateful yeah, eight need to watch, need to watch uh, and i think is it her that's in heart of midnight let me look that up the yeah heart of midnight which is not a great movie but it's a fucking weird sort of surreal movie for sure um yeah she's also in hateful eight yeah yeah she's in hateful eight yeah you've seen hateful eight right yeah um but yeah she's really great and this jude law is fine (laughs) yeah so much of this movie is people in these simulated realities so any sort of strange behavior that they exhibit it kind of gets explained away in the end yeah um yeah i'm happy that you picked this because i was thinking about jude law's performance in comparison to keanu reeves performance in the matrix and how well they're yeah i wouldn't say that they're similar but they're both are like characters that are getting a lot of information about just a world that they do not understand yeah and yeah jude law's journey through this is is really really interesting because yeah they they play on like him like he's like a a a version at the beginning of this and by the end he's kind of like a more rebellious teenager kind of when he when he he turns on her eventually yeah the exposition feels a little clunkier here than in the matrix um it is just kind of people rapidly speaking uh pieces of information like um you know, he says, like, where are the batteries when they're dissecting one of the bioports and they tell him, oh, it, like, it runs on a human body. And we're, we're, we're trying to find excuses for giving the audience more information, it feels like. Yeah. And then also that I feel like it's paired with what we're seeing is, like, very nonsensical at times. Like, when they're doing the repair inside of the, like, the mountain, like, cabin after mm-hmm. after they get out of the, the I think, no, I think it's before that. I'm getting a little mixed up, but yeah, they go to the cabin to get their pod fixed and the guy's like doing a surgery thing on it. And yeah, it's like bleeding and gushing out on this table. And um, yeah. like, 
watching the surgery happen, but we have fucking no way to understand, like, exactly what he's doing to be, like, pour some water into one area and it, like, fizzes up. I'm like, okay, I think that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, after this Chinese restaurant scene, it it's basically commits to being about the war between Cortical Systematics, which is an opposing company, and Tena Research, which is a company that um, Allegra works for, and the realists who are fighting to preserve reality uh, from these game companies. And so they go to this factory where she plans to um, connect to a infected biopod so that she can spread the infection to other pods and destroy the factory. Um, and it's revealed, <laughs> like, yeah, there's all these fucking characters. Like, there's a guy, <laughs> this guy Nourish, he's a who we later learn is a game design. Yeah, do we even want to sum- summarize this part? Because this is so fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know, because, yeah, I, I, I honestly I got a little bit lost towards the tail end of it. Basically, after I called, like, this fucked up nativity scene where they're inside of the barn, and, yeah, he cuts the umbilical cord, basically, and then he, like, she's, like, bleeding out, and he's like, I, like, I don't know what to do, and then the guy walks in with the flamethrower and starts... Yeah. burning the disease pod and then all these all spores, these spores start fl- fly up and he's like, he's like oh these are venomous spores and yeah after that they they, they continue to run and i was just like i i like i just wasn't yeah. really what quite is sure going on right now. what was happening there's a point but, uh, in, there's a point in this movie where ted and allegra have a conversation where ted says objectives are largely unknown seemingly indecipherable or even possibly non-existent always on the verge of being killed by forces that we don't understand Allegra says, that sounds like my game, all right. Ted says, that sounds like a game that not, that's not going to be easy to market. Allegra says, but it's a game everybody's already playing. So I feel like, at like at the, I'm not sure when this uh, conversation occurred in the movie, but I remember it occurred at a point where I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, because it, it feels like the plot... And this sort of war between realists, between uh, the two companies, Antenna Research and Cortical Systematics, is kind of not really the point. Like, that's not what this movie's about. And so, yeah. So it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just this sort of messy action that kind of lost me. Like I, like I said, the first time I watched this movie, I thought it was kind of boring. Because um, mm-hmm. I didn't care about any of this stuff like the relationship between these companies and the realists um yeah and then once like these kind of backstabbing start start to happen it's just like okay wait why and so yeah there's like a series of double crosses like the guy who told them to kill the waiter oh no it turns out he's a bad guy uh the guy who helped them uh rebuild the pod oh no it turns out he's bad uh yeah yeah allegra ends up killing him and then it turns out pikel ted pikel is actually an assassin who's going to kill Allegra. Yeah, and, yeah, and she pulls out this weird, like, TNT plunger, like, metal thing, and then, like, pushes it down, and it blows his back out. Yeah, she blows his pot out, right? Yeah, yeah. Or his port. Um, And so, yeah, we get, like, this, this slew of double crosses and people revealing, oh, you know, actually, I'm this person. I actually have these motivations. And then we get the reveal that... All of this has been happening inside of a game. It was layers and layers of games, even the very beginning in the church where Allegra is shot with that gristle gun. That was also part of the game. And this man, Yevgeny Nourish, who 
that has been appearing throughout uh, the movie, he's actually the game designer, not Allegra. Allegra is just one of the people playing. Same with Ted. And they're actually a couple. And Yeah, and I like this moment a lot when they all wake up inside of the church together and we get this, like, shot of just everyone who's been in the movie all kind of in there all like in i think they're all wearing the same colored jumpsuits too right oh i'm not sure i don't i don't think so but uh they are all wearing these uh the metal headset. devices metal yeah headset. they all have they all have the headsets on and they also have like um something attached to their hand that is like kind of covering their thumb uh so maybe that's their way of interacting with the device but yeah they're no longer these fleshy biological technology devices they're just strictly tech technology like something we have an easier time conceiving of yeah um and so it turns out nourish uh is designing this game called transcendence and i, I brought up transcendence before um and that he, he tells his assistant that he's a little uneasy about the play experience that they just had with these these game testers um, because there was an anti-game developer plot, and that makes him really nervous as a game developer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as they're having this discussion, uh, Ted and Allegra come over, and they say, oh, you know, we, we wanted to play your game. We wanted to make sure that... We heard that you were the best designer in the world, but we had to be sure. And... Uh, Ted has his dog with him. We've we've seen this dog throughout the movie. Inside, he, at one point, he was in the Chinese restaurant. He picks up the gristle gun with his mouth. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so right. Yeah, they have this dog with them, and they pull off like a fake patch of fur on the dog, revealing two pistols underneath. And they pull out the pistols, and they say, uh, "Death to the demon Yevgeny Nourish. Death to pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is the company that he works for, and death to transcendence." Uh, and they they murder him, they murder his assistant. And as they're on the way out, um, they pass um, another one of the playtesters. He, uh, he appeared as the Chinese waiter in the movie. And they point guns at him, and he says, wait, you don't have to kill me. And as they're pointing the guns at him, he says, are we still in the game? And the Ted and Allegra point the guns at the audience, <laughs> at the screen, and the mm-hmm. movie cuts to black. And so, yeah, what do you make of this? <laughs> yeah, uh, a little, uh, um, it, uh, this unraveled a little bit towards the end for me, but yeah, I think overall, like you meant, like you said, like the the whole backstabbing thing, like all of that stuff isn't really important. I think what matters is just kind of the overall experience of them being in like this collective, uh, like. Um, uh, like I said, they're in this collective focus group essentially, and so they yeah. all like went through this thing together. So I, I, yeah, I think it's talking more about yeah, just this collective group experience, and yeah, that there's these there's still these two rebels. There's still like some p- politics at place with them sort of trying to destroy this system and stop whatever's happening as far as people getting lost and stuff. Because there's a line they're saying like, "How long were we in there for?" So clearly, there's something going on with like when they're when they go into these games they're getting like lost in a way and yeah i think like the humanity aspect is something that is more important than the espionage aspect of it which i sort of lost towards the end but yeah i think the fact that yeah it's it's like a group trip it's like this group psychedelic experience is kind of interesting and yeah when they come out and yeah they start to do it all over again i was like okay this is kind of silly but yeah i think i think it all works yeah i think the 
the ideas that this movie is playing with are are far more interesting than the plot. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, especially, yeah, all that espionage stuff, it's just like, okay, what the fuck is going on? But, like, um, something that I'm trying to figure out is... So, Allegra and Ted... Okay, let's say let's say that's the base reality that that the end of the movie is the base reality. It's not they're not in a game at the end of the movie. Um, I think the question, are we still in the game? What that's referring to? I think that's calling back to the conversation earlier where Ted says, you know, objectives are largely unknown, seemingly indecipherable or even possibly non-existent. And then Allegra says, you know, that's the game that everyone's already playing. So I think what she's referring to is like, that's life, you know? (laughs) Um, And even if so, so this question of are we still in the game? Whether or not you're in the simulation, uh, you are trapped in this. You are trapped in a game, this game of life. And Correct, I think yeah. the all the ties to religion. It's saying like, okay, well the the game designer is God in in the base reality. And so, part of me feels like maybe this movie is about killing God, <laughs> um, or maybe it's about killing false gods, or maybe as like. Because, so yeah, I watched this interview with Cronenberg, and he's talking about how, um, you know, the ultimate video game, everything that games are working towards is they want to create an experience that is as close to realism as possible. Like, not necessarily, uh, you know, realism in the sense of how we understand reality, but realism in the sense that, like, you completely believe what you're being exposed to. Um, Yeah. And so, so if that's what we're trying to achieve then we are trying to be gods. <laughs> um, we are trying to create... Yeah, we're trying to create a reality. Yeah, and, and I think they sum that up with Allegra really well when they have that moment when, like, everything's kind of, like, breaking down towards the end and uh, Pykele tries to shoot her and then she blows up his back and she like, turns around she's like, I win! Like, did I win? Did I win? Like, yeah, yeah like, this really, like playful moment that is juxtaposed with just like the landscape just being on fire and like people yeah. just being like gunned down all around her yeah there's like this weird like call of duty moment where yeah it's just very happy happy yeah i guess i don't want to say the wrong word ambivalent but yeah it's very just like oh, aloof in the fact that yeah like like i've <laughs> conquered everything in this world and i'm just happy that it's it's, it's like a, a a digital victory yeah and just prior to that ted is saying something along the lines of you know if we're still if we're not in the game then you just killed a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and so when they come out and they're in the church and they kill uh, Evgeny, like no one really reacts. And yeah, yeah. even um, the guy who was the Chinese waiter, he, he, yeah, he just says, are we still in the game? Like they've lost touch with, they don't know how to react because they've lost touch with what is real and what is false. Um, so that is the perversion of reality that I guess these realists are against. But is Cronenberg's not really framing the realists in a positive light. We're not, I don't think we're supposed to be rooting them on necessarily. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it seems to be a a very sexy spy movie for the two stars. And and so at the end of it, it's like, okay, like I think we want to pair up with them and, and, you know, be like this weird Bonnie and Clyde and they're just going to keep going on and, you know, they're going to just be guns blazing. And so I think it, it romanticizes that aspect of it. But do you think, so like, throughout the movie, we're sympathetic to Ted and Allegra. But by the yeah. end, do you think we're still sympathetic to them when they kill Yevgeny? Or is, because to me, it feels like they've become the villains. Um, yeah, it, I would say so, yeah. It is a little bit more ambiguous. But yeah, 
because yeah, think... Yevgeny feels like the the most reasonable person in that scene mm-hmm. at the end, where he's like, "I'm a little concerned about this uh, as a game designer about this anti-game sentiment." True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking more about like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that's correct. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this movie, yeah, it gave me a lot to think about. Um, also, another thing that I noticed is so when they talk about killing these characters when they talk about killing Alec when the guy at the beginning the realist at the beginning shoots Allegra he says death to the demoness Allegra Geller and at the end when Allegra and Ted kill Yevgeny they say death to the demon Yevgeny Nourish and so you know thinking about um Isten and how that's a Hungarian word for god and Enden is referring to the end but also to a ruler um demon is in computers it's a program that runs background processes and so in greek mythology uh, a demon is a supernatural being that works in the background uh without any sort of bias towards good or evil it's just you know they're they're running a background process that's why we call it a demon in computers and so calling yevgeny a demon calling allegra a demon yeah they are these uh benevolent gods i guess um I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's really on point. Yeah, and well, actually, they're not benevolent. They're they're <laughs> yeah, they're hands off gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say something that might have contradicted the hands off thing because I was thinking about <laughs> like just their bodies being connected to these fleshy pods that are like the controllers that are these controller things, and so it's like this control through this physical connection that is literally like this reverse birth type of thing where they're connecting you to this cord and connecting mm. you to this physical thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if cuz you you referred to when Ted gets his port as like almost like a like an abortion scene or something like that. Yeah, um, like a like a really sketchy back alley uh operation or so, something like that. So like the relationship between life these like biological, you know, we have biological technology, <laughs> um, biotechnology. Um, yeah. So it's this relationship between like a living thing and tech, uh, but also we are sexualizing it by like we are licking the tip of the umbi cord before we put it in you, and we are licking the orifice. <laughs> um, yeah, like maybe that's all pointing to creating life in a way. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to crack that. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a really strange one. Yeah, this is my first time watching it, so I was like, yeah, this is like a complete mindfuck. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely reminds me of The Matrix with just everything about the package of, yeah, just the physical connection to everything and tech, everything that's technological in this world, it, it has to be connected through something that's uh, physical or, yeah, like something that's that's tactile and that goes into you physically. And yeah, just the fact that Allegra is this godlike character with all the knowledge, but is also like this this sexy kind of spy character that teams up with that teams up with Pykele. It seems, yeah, it, it romantic it romanticizes it to me a little bit. So yeah, it makes it seem like maybe Cronenberg is looking at these characters as like flawed, but uh, yeah, but not completely lost. Is <laughs> maybe yeah. yeah. I don't know. Still something to think about. I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully some interesting thoughts and perspectives came that came out of this but um yeah it's interesting yeah it reminds me 
Okay. Yeah, I was just going to mention, yeah, I feel like this, in my mind, is weirdly connected to Possessor and Scanners because they both feel there's, like, an odd corporate tone to, like, what's happening in the movies. Yeah, like, Videodrome has that, too, a little bit. Okay, I'm excited Video, for that. You maybe. should really watch Videodrome because it is pretty similar to this one. Um, okay. There's people shouting, death to blah, 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 <laughs> in both movies. Um, okay. There are orifices on the human body that shouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> and people, there. you know, sort of prodding those orifices and putting things inside them that shouldn't be there. Um, Amazing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, and it's not about the relationship between humans and technology as much as it is humans and the media, I would say. Okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, it is. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe for your pick, we could watch that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking, I have a few things on my short list, but um, I mean, I, I still I have could, some time. I could save it for, for when it, I come back around. But Okay. Yeah. There's like a couple of things on my list, but yeah, I'm going to watch the matrix first and then, and then pick something. Yeah. Um, does that wrap things up for Existence? Yeah. What have you been watching this week, Daniel? I rewatched Into the Spider Verse. Um, okay, cool. I've been playing Miles Morales, so I was like, just in the mood for it. Coulson, who I live with, hadn't seen it, so okay. yeah, I showed it to him. And that movie is so fucking good. Like, it's probably like the <laughs> fifth time I've seen it, but yeah, it probably has like the best character introduction in a movie that I've seen. Where just Miles, how Miles Morales is introduced, where he's just like singing to himself and drawing, and he, he's procrastinating on getting ready for school, and yeah, I fucking love that opening because it's it just he feels like a normal kid, and he feels it's so innocent and sweet and relatable immediately. Um, yeah, it like makes me want to cry, like how good that opening is. Yeah, I think they made a, just a fantastic move by like pairing his comfort with his powers with like the humming of like the main that song tune that he the, doesn't oh, know <laughs> yeah yeah like well also just like yeah like the main tune of the movie like yeah. just like the synergy of just that needle drop works so perfectly when he like finally like realizes that he's who what he is and everything yeah yeah the movie's fucking fantastic watching that with my cousin was great so yeah watching it with people who who also have never seen it is also really cool because yeah yeah it's just a a trippy Spider-Man superhero movie and take on all of it. And it's just, it just goes full speed ahead. And it feels so unique in its execution. Like the, the frequent, uh, let's, I I don't know what the line is that introduces it, but when we get the comic book getting tossed onto the screen and then we get like, let's let's do this one more time. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do this one more time. Yeah. And when we get the whole backstory of each character, um, that's such a great device and it works so well. And like, you would think it would get exhausting after a while, but yeah, this movie has like at least six origin stories in it and it (laughs) feels fine. Um, you're actually, the repetition is charming. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Kingpin in this movie. That's one of the the way that, yeah, we even get like an origin story for him too. Yeah. The way like he like takes up the entire frame of blackness besides Mm -hmm. just his head. That's like one of my favorite frames of the entire movie. And yeah, someone on Reddit posted like they put that sticker on their Xbox, and it's just like it just makes me laugh. Just like this massive black square with just like the his little head face. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a woman who made a cosplay of that character, where it's like this yeah. thing that sits on her shoulders, <laughs> like <laughs> okay. this giant structure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of 
in Into the Spider-Verse is just the portrayal of Kingpin. He's just this massive block. And then, yeah, when he's fighting Miles in the end, yeah, just like this psychedelic blue and purple like background. And then, yeah, he's just like, they just stand out. And there's it was like, like subway cars flying through and shit. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I watched it like a 1080p version of it. And I was just like, fuck. Like, I wish I was watching this in 4K. I wish I was watching yeah, HDR. Yeah. <laughs> like, Definitely. I saw it twice in theaters. And that, it, yeah, such a special movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. I have not watched Soul yet. Um, it's just no, it's been, all good. everyone in the house wants to watch it, so it's just a matter of like figuring <laughs> out the right time. Um, For sure. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully this week because I do want to have a discussion about that at some point. Yeah, so yeah, totally. Uh, what have you been watching? Um, I've been watching uh, a lot of Simpsons, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about um, this movie called Any Given Sunday. Have you heard about this? That's a sports movie, right? Yeah, yeah, and so I guess I've sort of stumbled on watching some Oliver Stone's Oliver Stone movies recently because I watched JFK like a month or so ago. Yeah. But yeah, this is Oliver Stone. It's a it's a football movie. It's with Al Pacino as the coach of this team that just suffered four losses, and so it's like just about them kind of just on this yeah. upturn of the season. Yeah, it's just it's really long. I don't. Yeah, something's up with Oliver Stone movies where the performances are great the like costumes and like the production design is fantastic the acting's the acting is great but just the way it's shot is just awful and it's just like really the way it's shot is awful yeah just like the way the, the camera moves in both JFK and in any given sunday is like really nauseating sometimes where it's just moving around really quickly and a lot of fast cuts and there's some really really great shots of like slow motion passes and like really dope football moments in this movie but there's also that's probably like like a second unit director handling all the sports yeah yeah someone who just like just just totally knocked it out of the park for that but yeah every time it's main stuff or like a huddle or just like a regular play it's just like i can't even watch this because the camera is just moving around at this insane rate but it's great al pacino as an angry football coach is is really good casting and yeah it's one of those ensemble uh movies where it just so many actors and interesting characters yeah. in this movie. Who is wait? So who who's playing? Who, yeah, who are who are all the people in it? Let me. So Al, Al Pacino plays like the coach. Jamie Fox is like this hot shot but kind of unsure quarterback. Okay, yeah. Uh, Dennis Quaid is like a, like, a, like a white quarterback who's like they're like competing for the time on the field and yeah. Uh, Cameron Diaz is like the team owner. Okay. Yeah, there's just like all sorts. Of I, think seen, I think I've seen. I think I've seen like parts of it when i was younger like this sounds really yeah. familiar yeah it was like my uncle's favorite movie for a hot minute i remember hearing so much about any given sunday and just yeah just being super hyped about it and yeah interesting watch and put it on kind of in the background but yeah this is a long one intense oliver stone's a interesting director because yeah he has movies that are like fantastic and have a lot of really good things going for them but then yeah well like watching it, i'm like yeah this is not a good visual thing to watch yeah um emily and i were talking about like who are the masters who are the directors of this generation that like future generations will look back on and like study and like i think quentin tarantino is like an obvious one like he's a really great director and he makes like interesting genre movies but i think his problem is just like he's such a fucking skilled director like but where he points that skill like it's that's that's what he needs to get under control because it's like i don't need this like inglorious bastards fucking amazing but then you have that moment where it's like 
large text appearing on the screen and we're having Sam Jackson give us the backstory of one guy and like he wanted to do that with the rest of them but he didn't get around to it so it just feels really like out of place and yeah, I feel yeah. like that's like him not being able to reel it in and like yeah you're so talented you're so good at what you do but you need to take that energy and point it in the right directions like to make the right choices um, yeah, I don't need to see it I feel I don't need this like monument to your foot fetish in this once upon a time in Hollywood, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like there's something to be said about the post Sally Mankey yeah, Tarantino era. Just like you just need, you need that, like that strong female presence inside the editing room. It's like, Hey, shut the fuck up. Stop. We're <laughs> yeah. going to, we're going we're gonna to cut this scene here and we're going to move on. I know you think and... this is really cool, <laughs> but what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so fucking real. Cause yeah, his yeah these later Tarantino movies are just really strange. I remember seeing yeah Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and not really like liking like the the climax of that movie. But yeah. then there was some people in that theater who were just like laughing hysterically yeah. at like Brad Pitt like killing the people. I, I was just like this like, like the tone that, just doesn't feel right. Sometimes that like laughter, people laughing at like violence or like laughing at horror movies and stuff, like it rubs me. At- as like it feels kind of pretend like i don't know if pretentious is the right word but like um it just feels showy like they're like oh look at me i'm so disaffected by what is happening on screen i get a kick out of it um yeah and yeah i i don't i hate that shit uh sometimes i sometimes i laugh at violence because it's like i can't believe yeah, totally. i can't believe that they're doing that and like i get a kick out of what uh you know the choices that the filmmaker's making um yeah but like sometimes I a lot of that laughter feels like it's just people kind of like trying to show off or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I feel it. But yeah, for for that case in particular, yeah, the scene just didn't really work for me. And yeah, it's it, extremely brutal what Brad Pitt is doing to like the car full of like uh, the Manson family. He's like really fucking going to town yeah. on those like on this those guy teenagers. Who <laughs> it's been alluded to may have murdered his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like. Is this supposed to be like fun and cathartic, or like? Because like, it's like, I, you, like I know these people are murderers, so they probably deserve it. But yeah. how am I supposed to feel about this guy? Yeah, super, they super have, interesting yeah. tone. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that about wraps it up, yeah, right? I think that's good. Cool. All right. So next week we're going to be back with Matrix Reloaded. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to get into what are considered the bad ones maybe we'll maybe we'll turn around maybe we'll be like maybe we'll be the ones who crack the code and be like this is actually brilliant so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I definitely have mixed thoughts but yeah the reloaded is is for sure uh the, it's it's i like it. i i'm looking forward to it <laughs> is reloaded the one with that monica bellucci scene yes okay <laughs> yeah reloaded has i think one of the best action sequences in like modern movie that was shot like, in Alameda. The yeah, yeah, and I think Emily knows the um, stunt woman who did Trinity stunts. Actually, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I was I like on Father's Day. I was on a little boat trip, little boat thing with my dad on a little thing, and we saw them shooting that. Oh, right? really? Awesome. There's a bunch of planks along like this weird part of Oakland in Alameda. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And they're shooting the Matrix 2. I saw they were shooting the Matrix 4 across the street from my office in San Francisco. Oh, and nice. I saw Keanu Reeves' head through the window of a coffee shop. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Simulate. It's trippy to think. Simulate yeah. is what the coffee shop was called for the movie. <laughs> awesome. It's trippy to think that The Matrix 4 is coming. I know. Like, what, what is it, what is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hope, just, I hope the fights are good. I just hope the choreography is on point. I don't care. They can be talking about incredibly insane things philosophically and yeah going off the rails with the plot but as long as the fights are good i'll 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 be fine i feel like what should have happened in those movies and what might happen in four is that when they realize the matrix is a simulation and they are able to break free of this prison of the mind this reality that has been imposed on them the base reality should like we sh- Neo should be flying around in the base reality because yeah. it should be revealed <laughs> that the limitations that were imposed on them within the matrix don't represent how, like how the base reality operates and so they should be discovering all this shit about themselves as as like you know actual humans that they didn't know was possible um like maybe that. we'll see some shit like that i don't know <laughs> i dig it i'm into it um all right all right Close cool that has been episode 21 of vague zone if you would like to contact us, you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have suggestions for franchises, things for us to watch, comments, feedback. If you want to tell us to fuck off, that's all good, too. We'll read that read that fan mail. Uh, if you want to follow us at Twitter, follow us at vaguezone. Uh, you can tweet at us. We're always on there. We're tweeting constantly. So, yeah. <laughs> Join us in that, that conversation on Twitter. And, yeah, this has been episode 21. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And with me always has been Daniel. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. All right. Take care. Bye.